Hello, I'm Derek Menke, VP of Global Threat Intelligence with FortiGuard Labs, and welcome to another episode of FortiGuard Live. I'm joined with Amar Lakhani again. Amar, how are you? Man, I'm wonderful. We're coming up to the end of the year, my favorite time of year, where we get to review all the things that we did and obviously make predictions on where we're going. Yeah, tis tis the season. Um, tis always the season, by the way, I think. And that's the important thing to stress here. We just don't look at this once a year. We're actually looking at this every day. But yes, you're right. This is a, it's not a snapshot. This is a, uh, a motion picture, right? This is something that continues to evolve. Um, absolutely. When we're, we're always thinking ahead. And when we look ahead a year out, it's really interesting the results that we get, isn't it? Man, always. And it seems like every year we're saying, hey, things are probably going to get worse, but <laughs> they really do. It's like, it's not only do they get worse, I think the creativity uh, from the attackers always is really interesting on like what they're doing, how they're ac accomplishing their goals, and really why they're successful. It kind of, uh, you kind of have to admire them a little bit, but at the same time, uh, you know, figure out a way to stop them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can agree that attackers uh, are becoming more bold, more clever, uh, more persistent as well, which is actually a little bit of a foreshadowing there, a theme of our uh, prediction. So why don't, why don't we dive into it? Um, and let's look at the uh, one of the big picture trends we've been calling out, which is the rise of APC, Advanced Persistent Cybercrime. Um, we've all heard about advanced persistent threats, but the notion of this is really about targeted attacks, isn't it? We, we've seen more focus because I think of funding and uh, you know, a wider organization, more more aggression, more, uh, you know, uh, resources for the attacker being able to have the luxury now on their side to focus on their playbooks, right? To be able to focus on efficient attacks, targeted attacks, doing more reconnaissance, things like this, right? Yeah, you got to remember, like, even even up until last year, this was something like advanced attackers were doing. Um, the machine is well oiled now. There's like it's something that's in their playbook, as you said. Uh, they have the skill set. They have the methodologies and strategies to do exactly what you said is to, to these advanced, persistent uh, cyber criminal acts. And they know exactly what they're doing. They know step by step what to do, what to, what they want to achieve in each step, and it really how they're going to do that. They even have like schedules of payouts, like you know how much money mules are going to get how much affiliates are going to get how much money they're going to take home and it's something that's spreading throughout the the attack community i would say uh, between threat actors and it's a very they, they've made it very efficient for them to make money and to track how much money they're making yeah i think the biggest thing we saw about that, that this year anyway um was the raas the ransom as a service playbook as you mentioned it's not just you know one person multiple affiliates like uh like you said, I know we were chatting about this the other day with uh, some uh, some some insight and knowledge as to how big some of these are. Right, we're not talking about one or two; like we're talking about a hundred plus affiliates in one network. That's a lot. And you think about each one of them having their calculated attack. Uh, you know, this is APC, right? Because they have more more effective tools, more effective weapons to be persistent. This isn't the APTs where only governments were concerned before. Now this is affecting everybody at scale. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that I found really interesting is when we were researching some of these threat actors is how affiliates are essentially fighting for position to get into these affiliate programs. And it's not only the affiliate programs, but it's uh, now money mules are involved now, like cashing out on the cryptocurrency, uh, you know, different organizations are involved. So they got the step one, two, three, let's go. And this is how we're going to make money. And it's, uh, as we said before, a really well oiled machine. At, at, absolutely. So let, let's talk about the next aspect of that. So I talked about ransom as a service, but there's the broader 
uh, scope here of crime services, right? We've been talking about this for 10 years, but what's interesting with this is that this continues to evolve every year, right? So, of course, last year, uh, well, this year and last year was dominated by ransom as a service, but, you know, we're expecting, I mean, this is a business model. This is a portfolio for cyber criminals, right? So there's some things that we've already seen them tinker with that will likely become full-blown services, things like uh, deep, deep fake. So deep fake as a service, um, more of the reconnaissance as a service, right? What's the value of reconnaissance and using these, uh, for blueprinting networks, you know, get, getting dirt on organizations as a service so that these affiliates can use that as a turnkey model. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, uh, we always talk about ransomware as a service. That's kind of what makes the news cycle. But as you said, there's a lot of other things going on, such as mapping out networks from reconnaissance as a service, uh, such as like attacking retailers for, um, you know, you, you know, POS uh, stealing as a service, whatever you want to call that. Uh, there's a lot of different crime doxing as a service, essentially like attacking or ruining someone's reputation. Um, so there's a lot of different things from a from a social and physical world they're doing, as well as from a digital world, as you said, like reconnaissance, uh, stealing information, intellectual data, reselling intellectual data, uh, all those things are coming into play. And they have multiple, like basically menus that these uh, threat actors do that, uh, you know, people can pick from and say, hey, you know what, I want to basically order a number one, a number five, and a number eight, and and make it a combo or something, right? And uh, that's what they're Super doing. Size it. Exactly. Super size it. <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is true, because this is about scale. And yeah, you think about just how powerful that is, having reconnaissance, which is typically harder to do, right? When you talk about dark web and credential monitoring, all that sort of stuff from an attacker's uh, standpoint, having that available to the people who couldn't do that before is just going to cause that, that proverbial snowball effect. I think, right? And yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the doxing as a service too. And what we see with this, of course, is sort of this, uh, they, they get a viable product. We've seen deep fakes already happening this year, but not at scale. And once they have a viable product, hey, how can we make further money off of this, right? So it's a platform essentially. Yeah, the deep face is the one that like really scares me because it's uh you, you know now 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 that we're kind of starting to figure out like a business use for deep fakes, especially when it comes into like annotation and uh, newscasting and kind of helping uh you know the deaf community uh you know uh, the uh, there's a lot of good things that can come come in from the automation of deep deep fake, but as that happens and that means the software is going to get easier to use, which obviously means that attackers now don't have to customize software; they can really download off the shelf commercial software and start using that for attacks and that's a little bit of the scary part absolutely yeah and it's um it's something as as a it's like any tool right I, every time we see the technology we always see uh, unfortunately cyber criminals try to capitalize on that so yeah, absolutely i think that's something we're up against next year another one this is one of the most concerning to me and this falls in line with that advanced persistent cybercrime we've been talking about is the notion of wipers right so data wipers are becoming I mean, it's a long way to go there because ransomware is so prolific. So you don't hear about wipers as much, but we're hearing more and more about them. I mean, there was seven of these that just started in the first half. There's been more recently. Um, this is something we saw only one, you know, may, maybe one per year, right? But now we're seeing more and more. We're actually in FortiGuard Lab seeing a lot of detections, like thousands of detections of these, because this is, if you think about it, a perfect tool for a cyber criminal um, playbook, right? Yeah, you know, honestly, I was a little surprised about wipers because I always thought, what, why would a threat actor want to jeopardize, like, you know, how they get paid, right? If they, if someone's gonna 
be pretty much assured that they're going to get their data back, you know, there's more motivation to pay them. But now when we start looking at what wipers are doing, like it's actually scaring people to pay faster because now they're worried that, you know, their data is not going to be sitting around. It can be wiped pretty fast. And so we're seeing the wipers actually take off. Uh, you're right. We're still seeing ransomware and just encrypting files much more mainstream. But um, I think going forward, um, you know, we're, we're going to see this, uh, at least this volume increase uh, to some critical mass mass of wipers. And I think it's definitely going to like start motivating and scaring organizations on what possibly could happen to their data. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about this is that this is destructive, right? So it's a next level risk, essentially, because it's not just about, you know, crypting data. Like you said, this is actually going after disk, taking down systems as well. Another aspect of this, of course, is, you know, attackers like to hide their trail, right? So, um, you know, killing things for forensic, you know, trying to slow incident responders down as well, too. Exactly. And that's kind of another point as well is attackers are actually gaining so much valuable information, intellectual data, or just stealing data from organizations, whether it's PII data from employees or other types of data, they've already gotten a lot of value from the data that when they've compromised systems, so they're like, you know what, we could like basically, uh, you know, uh, attack them with ransomware as the last step, but why not just like hide all those steps and, uh, you know, go nu nuclear and essentially uh, explode ransomware and um, that makes the whole system, the whole organization possibly unusable. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the system, let's talk about money laundering. Um, so this is something you've been following a long time, I know, and when we look at, uh, you know, forums and dark web and how, how cyber criminals move their funds, obviously crypto is a huge, crypto and crypto exchanges is a huge catalyst to that. Um, but it's still been a network of humans, right? And so what this prediction is talking about is now that they've, made this a well-oiled machine and there's big money at stake here we expect this to go full mainstream through money not only like the crime as a service model like money laundering as a service but also through automation right and think about having to, to wash those funds through multiple exchanges again the things that people are doing now that can be done uh, at speed and at more layers also yeah, so cyber criminals are making millions of dollars uh, for cryptocurrency, getting paid in cryptocurrency. Um, you can't really buy a house or a car uh, through cryptocurrency without exchanging that. So there's always been this motivation to change money. And as you said, they have in the past been using a, a big network of people, right? Uh, from money mules to uh, doing things like uh, local Bitcoin exchanges uh, to, uh, you know, cryptocurrency machines or ATM machines that pro uh, don't require as much uh, verification or even exchanges in other countries that may not require much uh, verification, but it's been a very, very manual and slow process. Uh, and because of that, we've, oh, you know, we, we have seen the results of that where a lot of attacks where we can follow the cryptocurrency wallet, you know, have been kind of sitting there with a very large balance. But now we're starting to see, even this year, we started to see the, the, the beginnings of like the, these currencies being moved from different crypto wallets and eventually not being able to track them anymore, which probably means they're being exchanged for another cryptocurrency or maybe being cashed out. And the only way you can move money on that type of scale is automation. And uh, mm -hmm. first of all, uh, everyone's doing automation. They're taking advantage of APIs or taking advantage of, um, you know, all the tools that are out there moving money to thousands of exchanges, thousands of like uh, pivot points where it's going to be very, very difficult for anyone to keep track of. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, proverbial rabbit's hole, right? I mean, that's that's what this is about. And um, that's the attention again. This is effectively, we talk about defense evasion a lot of the times. This is actually, if you think about it, part of that as well too, right? That's just the more layers they can build. That's money laundering 101, but at scale, um, 
you know, the, the more places they can hide. Yeah. And it, and it kind of protects their money as well, because now they're using like, you know, hundreds of different pivot points. So if they lose yeah. one or another, you, you know, it's OK. It's not much of a big hit as versus, you know, working with five different individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last one I wanted to talk about is this notion of uh, th this is a, a longer roadmap, I think. Right. But if you look at um, as technology becomes more stream mainstream, like uh, AR, augmented reality, virtual reality, of course, uh, XR and um, virtual cities and, um, you know, uh, virtual platforms that have everything from PII to, uh, you know, transactional elements happening. And you mentioned APIs, a lot of APIs, which are a favorite for <laughs> for hackers and attackers, right? Um, this, that, like, to me, this is just attack surface 2.0, right? This is the next layer of that. It's, if you think about the top of the attack surface, this is what's happening essentially underneath. And it's, again, it's going to be a while to roll out, but I think inevitably these are going to be prime targets for attackers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hackers are looking at where you're spending your time. You know, if we looked at like, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, 2019, a lot of people were, uh, you know, spending their time in like physical stores. And we saw a lot of attacks, you know, basically targeting these uh, physical uh, point of sale systems. Uh, we started seeing a shift on that, obviously, in 2020, where a lot of attackers were going much more diligently after like online services. Uh, and now we're spending time in other places as well, in, uh, you know, virtual cities and, uh, you know, gaming organizations and other places and wherever we're spending time attackers are going to look for an opportunity and of course with a new market everyone like kind of has this kind of rush this anxiousness right where they want to rush and get in and a lot of people are prone to make mistakes and not necessarily follow the same security hygiene or sometimes even common sense as you would on a more established brand or platform and uh, you know out of this fear of missing out and attackers know this and you know they're going to use that as an advantage of trying to really scam people that's what it comes down to yeah absolutely couldn't agree more all right so i think we're we're good for talking about the uh, the bad news <laughs> so let's talk about some some solutions and good news and uh, what what uh, defend what this means for defenders i mean obviously we have to know about anticipate what's coming down the curve, right? Like, like we just said. So uh, this notion of, um, you know, targeted attacks, more of that focus on the left side, pre-game, pre-attack game, right? So again, the reconnaissance phase, these weaponization, the things like the, the more of the targets um, and, uh, and so forth, the automation as well, offensive automation and all that. So to me, a lot of this rings around from a solution standpoint, next generation SOC. So let's talk through how this can help from a CISO perspective to close the skill gap, right? Through things like uh, automation and SOAR, but also for these the SOCs and analysts. And you know, some things that come to mind, uh, as I mentioned, are automation and SOAR, uh, DRPS, so digital risk protection services and um, uh, deception as well. It's something we don't talk about enough, but it really actually is a powerful tool against this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned some great, great uh, tools and strategies. Uh, I don't want to like mention and like heavily lean towards the automation part. Um, so we've talked about that for a couple of years now. But the good thing is, it seems like everyone's kind of catching up, you know, all, all the vendors, all the strategies, all the com computing systems and applications now understand that hey, automation is going to be a big piece of not only management, but also defense as well. And, uh, you know, automation is just not only for response, as you said, but also for that, uh, you know, 
pregame, right? Mm -hmm. To like start protecting things to make sure that uh, you know you already have built-in internal segmentation, patching, all the regular uh, security hygiene, and also have a good way of monitoring that. We've always had people looking at the computer screens, looking at logs like come by. We've never had a good way of actually figuring out what those logs mean or what the impact between each log message is. Uh, with automation and continuous like uh, testing and uh, you know uh, breach readiness, uh, we we can we can have that. And when you couple that, uh, you know, with intelligence to figure out like you know what's happening with your brand like you know what are people talking about your brand online and darknet forums and hacker forums uh that yeah. that is some really powerful intelligence i believe yeah absolutely and and these by the way if you were to ask anybody in the in the industry even now but certainly a couple of years ago how do you protect against reconnaissance against an enemy targeting you it it's th there weren't as many solutions right that this has always been the harder challenge to solve thankfully everything that we just talked about and you know well said i couldn't agree more these are all actually powerful tools against that so that's the good news is that there are solutions available to actually help with that um you know the the pregame the, the harder to, to solve challenges yeah. And the last thing you, you mentioned is uh, deception-based technologies. I, I kind of take that into another step. Uh, I call it more like active defense. And, uh, you know, in the last uh, few years, I would say even the last 10 years, we've had very few people in cybersecurity that have spoken about active defense. Uh, there's kind of been this confusion of active defense versus uh, hack back, and they are very different things. Hack yes. back is not, not active defense, but active defense technologies, like, you know, do incorporate like things like honeypot technologies, deception-based technologies. But, uh, they I do give you, I believe, a leg up on an attacker. Uh, they actually like let you see what an attacker is doing and kind of their thought process before they do it. And it's it's a very binary process, active defense. Like either someone's touching your box or someone's attacking your system or they're not. There's no, there's no way around that. It's like one or zero. It's, it's on, you're being attacked or not. And you can get that yeah. feedback right away. I, I know we don't have time to go into all the nuances in active defense, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, I think it's a very, Cool technology that doesn't need to be uh, something that's kind of talked about in the fringes anymore. I think it needs to be incorporated into uh, everyday defense and everyday strategy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to uh, to sit down once again sometime and, and, and uh, do a deep dive on that because it's it is something that I get. I'm sure you do too, but I often get asked, "Why can't you hack the hackers?" Right? So the active offense. Why can't we do that? Well, it's because strategically we can actually have the same impact or a bigger impact doing this, right? Actually slowing them down, as you said, um, identifying what, what they're doing, how they're doing that, get more information on their playbooks, right? I mean, that's that's actually, it's 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 a, a two-pronged approach, right? Because A, you're uh, slowing them down, you're, um, you're, you know, deterring them from coming back to your network. At some point, they'll probably realize the gig is up and they're not gonna touch your network with a 10 foot pole, but at the same time, so that's good. But at the same time, you're getting some world-class, you know, intelligence about them as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Amar, uh, fascinating conversation as always. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, to all the, the viewers out there, you can get more on our threat predictions uh, as well as everything coming down, um, breaking from a threat research perspective on blog.fortynet.com and check out specifically our threat research category. Once again, I'm Derek Mankey, and this has been another episode of 40 Guard Live. Thanks for being here.